the Savior and His Word. Let's shout because we know He lives and we are certain His love has set us free. The enemy is defeated. Yeah. Sickness is defeated. Poverty is defeated. The enemy is defeated. Anybody know what I'm talking about?
Somebody say hallelujah. Amen. We want to thank God for his goodness and mercy. This is Pastor Larry with Lighthouse Church of Coppers Cove, and we're back again for our podcast. Um, I thank God for his goodness and mercy today, and I do give him honor and praise, and I give honor to his son, Jesus Christ, and to the Holy Spirit. And I just want to thank God for watching over us and keeping us and uh, choosing us to be his own. I thank God for each and every one of you who are listeners of this podcast. And I pray that the Lord just richly blesses you throughout whatever it is that you do. And I pray that he helps you to uh, be successful in all of your endeavors. Um, we want to continue as we uh Go before the Lord to remember those who have been afflicted uh, during this time of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, whether it be physically, whether it be mentally, whether it be spiritually, uh, whether it be emotionally. We just want the Lord to just uh, continue to be who he is and do what he does for us. Amen. Uh, Tonight, I'm not going to draw out the hour. But I do want to take you into the Word of God and just uh, give you something to maybe hold on to and meditate on uh, until we come back again. Um, In the book of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon writes us words of wisdom, uh, but he lets us know one thing is very certain. I guess the world would say it this way. What comes around goes around. But he says it like this. He says, The thing that hath been, it is that which shall shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. So we've seen things and we see things over and over again. I think uh, there's a a phrase that we use in our um, common speech that says um, history repeats itself. Or in other words, uh, we see things periodically that we have seen before. But it's how you deal with history that is the challenge. It's how you deal with history Uh, that determines whether or not you're going to be successful the next time you see what comes around. Um, I just want to look at a couple of scriptures in the book of Matthew, um, and I'll give you some other scriptures to, to tie this together. But what we're going through in our political environment today is a lot like what they went through in the Bible during Jesus's time. Uh, During Jesus's time, they had two major sects in the church, two major groups of people or two parties in the Jewish church. Um, And I want to explain who they are and and what they believed. Um, 
we got a group called the Pharisees, and they were uh, members of an ancient, ancient, ancient Jewish sect uh, that distinct distinguished themselves by strict observance of traditional and written law, and commonly held themselves to have a pretentious superior sanctity to everybody else. They were a self-righteous person and they were very hypocritical. Then we have the Sadducees. And these are members of a Jewish sect or party during the time of Jesus Christ. And they denied the resurrection of the dead. In other words, they didn't believe that the dead would be resurrected. Now for us, that's uh, essentially the central theme of our salvation. But they didn't believe in this and they didn't believe uh, in the existence of spirits and the obligation of oral tradition emphasizing the acceptance of the written law only. So they were tied to the written law. Now, what does that mean? Well, the written law, we know that it first was ascribed by Moses as it was given to him by God in the mount and brought down to be delivered unto the Jewish people, uh, the children of Israel. And we know that it was basically 10 commands of the Lord uh, that told us how he wanted us to live, what we should do, what our behavior should be, what our conduct should be. Over time, however, as with many things, uh, the law grew through the church uh, the Ten Commandments grew to upwards of 800 plus commandments or 800 plus laws. Uh, we're concerning ourselves with what's written in the book of Matthew, the 22nd chapter. It says that uh, the laws talked about in the 42nd verse were divided into 248 affirmative ones to correspond with the number of members of the body and 365 negative ones to correspond with the days of the year. And that made up a total of 613 commandments. And this is the number of the letters in the Decalogue. They considered some great and some small. So here Jesus is being tempted as to whether he is in harmony with the accepted truth or not. Now let's look at the scripture. Uh, we're going to pick up by reading out of Matthew, the 22nd chapter, and the 23rd verse. It says, The same day came to him the Sadducees, which say, that there is no resurrection, and asked him, saying, Master, Moses said, If a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife, and raise up seed 
unto his brother. How there were, now there were seven with us brethren. And the first, when he had married a wife, deceased and having no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third, unto the seventh. So we've got seven brothers uh, that married one woman. And none of them left her with a child. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what it seems to say here. It says, and last of all, the women died also. So here we got eight people that died. Now remember that uh, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. So here's the test to Jesus. In the resurrection, whose wife shall, shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. Now Jesus, we know that he was a wise man and he uh, possessed all of the gifts of the spirit and he knew what they were trying to do to him. So he answered them and said unto them, Do ye err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God? For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, ye have have ye not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So what relevance does that have to us? God is not the God of dead bodies. And God is the God of a living soul and spirit. As man is comprised of the body, the soul, and the spirit, the body is that part which we see of everybody, and that's the part, the part that most people consider to be the most important part of a person, but it's not. I submit to you that uh, your soul is very important, and that's what we need to pay particular attention to. Now, Oftentimes, we get distracted by things that, that, that are before us, a lot like what's going on in the world today. Many things are important, but what is the most important thing going on? Is it this distraction to your left or this distraction to your right? Is it that thing that's directly in front of you? Or, does it, or is it something that you, you, you're not really focusing on at all? And that, I submit to you, is how we sometimes treat our soul. Our soul is essential and it's important because that's the part of us that we need to teach how to love the Lord. If you're like me, you grew up and you had a life before you came into Christ. And in your life outside of Christ, you had many experiences. And some experiences were good, but most experiences were not. Uh, and when I say good, uh, they were towards the Lord. You, you had the Lord in mind in what you were doing. 
Now, I, I, did, I wasn't that way. I didn't contend or pretend uh, to say that the Lord was the head of my life when I was in sin. I really didn't know him. But when I was introduced to him, when I was introduced to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost by the word of God, I had to learn how to love him. It's not something that happens automatically. Uh, it's, it's a lot like the experiences that we go through in life. When I was a child, I didn't know how to do the things that I know how to do now. I had to learn them over time. And some of the things that I have learned to do, I had to, by trial and error, perfect them. But there are many things that I know how to do, but I don't know how to do them well enough to say that I've perfected them. But there's one thing that all of us can do, and that is we can learn how to love the Lord to where we perfect it. Does that mean you're going to be without fault, without problems? Does that mean you're not going to have any ups and downs? I dare say not. But when you love the Lord the way that the Lord wants you to love him, and we're going to look at that, you'll find that you realize that he is a God of mercy and that he is a God of understanding. And he is a God that is there to provide strength for us when we need it in the most opportune of times. When we feel like we can't go on or we're feeling disgusted in the things that we are experiencing, he is a God, as David says, that will lift up your head. He'll strengthen you, as Paul says, with might by his spirit in your inner man. But we need to learn how to love him the right way in order for us to feel the greatest benefit of having a God who is as concerned about us as the God we serve. So how do we do that? Well, let's keep on reading. In verse 33, it says, And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. What was he saying? Well, he's talking to a group of people that didn't believe in the resurrection about the resurrection. It says, but then uh, the Pharisees, they were there also, and they heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence. In other words, he shut their mouth with the word of God. Here's a group of people who thought they knew the word. They thought they knew the law. But then again, they were a group of people that focused only on the written books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. There's much more to the Bible than the first five books. I know that there are some doctrines that teach that the Old Testament is the only true Bible, and some teach that the New Testament is the only true Bible. But all Scripture comes from God, and all Scripture has its place. That's another teaching, and we may get there someday. Uh, but when the Pharisees see that the Sadducees were put to silence by Jesus, in verse 35, then one of them, which was a lawyer, 
And so he's already educated, and he's a Pharisee, so he's got some position in the church, um, and he should know his word. He asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? So now he's trying to have Jesus put the commandments of God in order. Let me ask you this question. It's something you can think about. Is it better to be a thief or a fornicator? Is it better to be a liar or a murderer? Well, in God's sight, all of them are equal. So there's nothing good about being any of that. That's the good thing about being in Christ, because when you're in Christ, the Lord comes in by his spirit and he washes us and he sanctifies us and he justifies us. In other words, he purges our conscience from all the dead works that we were doing. And he justifies us, making us no longer guilty before him as a sinner. He washes us whiter than snow. That's a good thing. But then the Bible also teaches us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 that we are new creatures, that old things are passed away and all things are become new. We have a fresh start a fresh beginning, a new beginning. And this is where we need to learn how to be who we are from the new beginning forward. We should always be looking forward. The only time we should really look backwards is to to look back at where the Lord has brought us from to remind us of where we don't want to go back to. I'm very cognizant and aware of what I used to be and where I was in the world. But when I look back to it, I'm so glad that I'm no longer there. I'm so glad that the Lord has saved me. I'm so glad that the Lord has brought me out and I'm learning how to walk in the person that the Lord has made me to be. When we're born in this body, when we're kids, infants to toddlers to to adolescents to teens, we we develop and we learn how to do certain things. So you have to understand that about your walk with Christ. It's the same thing you, when you're when you're born again, when the Lord freshly saves you and delivers you and makes you whole and cleans you out and and, and gives you His Spirit. You have to learn how to be a perfected saint. And when I say perfected saint, I'm talking about a mature saint. I think we get it mixed up that uh, once we are in Christ, we'll never have to worry about sin again. No, we just read here twice in the book of Matthew, the 22nd chapter, how twice Jesus was tempted by uh, groups of people. And it was tempted just to make it so that he would be at odds with the word of God. And I want to tell you this, and I want to be very clear about it. 
Jesus is always in harmony with God. That's what it means by the two are one. They're always in agreement with whatever it is the other says. They have never been in disagreement, and you can bear that through the whole scripture. They know what their role is. They know what their responsibility is. And likewise, we should be in harmony with God, with Jesus, with his word, and with his spirit. This is what a mature saint learns over time. Mature saints, they, they learn that they don't have to be told how to do everything because as we see, uh, everything lies on a foundation. And Jesus is about to give us this foundation. Let's continue reading through the book of Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Now down here at the 37th verse. It says, Jesus said unto him, remember he's talking to this Pharisee who was a lawyer. He says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of your heart and with all of thy soul and with all of thy mind. So we should love the God, how? With all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind, as it pertains to the heart that's dealing with all of our inward affections. Everything that we have in our affection or affections, that's what we're supposed to love the Lord with. When it pertains to matters of the soul, we should love the Lord with all of our consciousness. Everything we do, we should consider the Lord in it. And how do you show someone you love them? You do it by honoring them and committing to what it is that they ask of you. When husbands love their wives, they consider their wives and they honor the request of the wife. When wives love the husband, uh, the wife honors the husband and considers the request of the husband. When children love their parents, they honor the parent and they consider the request of the parent. When parents love their children, they also honor their children and they consider the request of the children. It's a mutual thing. Then when it comes to the matters of the mind, this is with all of our thoughts. And if you're like me, sometimes my thoughts are everywhere. But then I have to remember the word of God says that the weapons of my warfare is not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination. And it tells me that I can bring my thoughts into captivity into the obedience of Christ. And I have to do that from time to time because I could be uh, performing a function here and the next thing you know, I, I, I kind of drifted off in my mind. And I don't think I'm alone in this, but we have to learn that with our minds, that's what we meditate on the Lord with. 
And our mind needs to remain pure. It needs to remain clean. It needs to remain holy so that we can love the Lord with it. We don't want anything in our mind that's going to distract us from loving the Lord the way that Jesus says that we should love the Lord. So let's go back and let's restate this according to Matthew 22 and 37. Jesus said unto him, again, he's talking to the Pharisee that was a lawyer. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. He says that this is the first and great commandment. And I know you may have thought that the Lord says, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. You know, those are there. But I submit to you that if you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, you will find that you won't kill, that you won't steal, that you won't commit adultery, that you won't covet, that you won't lie, that you won't this and you won't that. But again, this is something that we have to grow to. Because in the natural, we've learned how to love certain ways. And if you can get 10 people, they may tell you how to love 10 different ways independently of one another. But God's got one way to love. And guess what? He doesn't leave us to figure it out. Romans, the fifth chapter and the fifth verse says that, He sheds this love, his love, abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So we don't even have to work at it. We just need to learn how to love the way the Lord wants us to love because he's enabled us to do it by his spirit. When we received our new life, when we were born again, he put in us the ability the wherewithal to love him like he loved us. When we were his enemy, he loved us so much that he overlooked all of our sin, all of our fault, seeing that we needed to be redeemed from the wicked persons that we were. And he gave us a word to bring us to a decision to repent. Bringing us to a decision to be converted. In other words, change our mind and change our ways so that he can give us his spirit to wash us, to sanctify us, and to justify us so that he can give us his spirit that through and by the operation of God would take us to the cross of Calvary where we would be crucified with Christ, where we'd be a partaker of his death, where we'd be a partaker of his burial and a partaker of his resurrection 
that when we were raised up from the dead like Christ was by the operation of God, we would walk in newness of life. Again, I want to encourage you to live life going forward. The mistakes we may have made in the past, look back at them and use them as a learning waypoint. Don't go back to them, but just say, now that I look at it, I didn't do that quite the way it should have been done. I didn't make quite the decision that I should have made. Now I know better. Now I know that it's very important for me to consider the consequences of my actions because this is very serious. We're in the last of times now, and these are an evil time. And in this time, we, we may not have the opportunity to bounce back as we have in time past. Jesus is sooner to come now than he was yesterday. I don't know when he's coming, but when he's come, I want to be ready. When he is seen on the cloud and when the trumpet is heard and when we hear the voice of the archangel, it's too late to be trying to get ready. You must be ready. You got to get ready now. The time to be ready is the time that you hear his voice. You accept his word as truth. You repent. You convert, you're filled with the spirit, born again. That's the time to be ready. Once he gives you a new life, be ready from that day forward. If you've done something to discredit that new life, get right with God. The Bible teaches that he is just and he is faithful to forgive. And he is standing there with outstretched arms. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. He says, I will give you rest. And you know, when you're in a world of sin, you're in a world of confusion. And when you're in a world of confusion, you need rest. When you're so confused in your mind, you can't even sleep at night. You need rest. When you're so confused because you got this going on in life and that going on in life and nothing in life seems to be going your way, you need rest. When you cannot keep yourself from sinning, you need rest. Paul said in Romans, the seventh chapter, who shall deliver me from the body of sin? And he found out that the Holy Spirit could. Through Christ Jesus, given to us by God. So we want to make sure that we love the Lord the way that he wants us to love the Lord. Our God. And he says this about, uh, uh, as a caveat to that, uh, I'm back in Matthew 22. In verse 39. And he says, and the second. I don't know if he anticipated them asking another question because they've probably gone on and on and on. He said, and the second. Is like unto it. 
thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So we want to stop there tonight. If we do these two things, what are they? If we, as children of God, love the Lord our God with all of our heart, again, that's with all of our inward affections, with all of our soul, that's with all of our consciousness, and with all of our mind, that's with all of our thoughts. And if we love our neighbor as we love ourselves, we're destined to please God. And when we please God, we have a satisfying life. So tonight, in our closing, uh, I want to thank God for his goodness and mercy. And I want to thank him for his word tonight because it has also encouraged me. But I want to pray that the Lord would help us all to do what is asked of us concerning our walk with him. And then I want to ask the Lord to just continue to bless uh, everyone that needs to be blessed and encouraged and delivered and set free in these last and evil days. Father, we come in the name of Jesus. Lord, as we come in his name, I do thank and praise you for your goodness and for your mercy. And Lord, we're coming as humble as we know how today because you are a great God. You're a God who has looked past all of our fault. You're a God who has not considered all of our sins and judged us accordingly but you gave us a way to be delivered from the penalty that we deserved to pay for our sin. And Lord, because you're that God, a God of compassion, a God of understanding, we're asking that you would begin to just come in by your spirit and move by your spirit in our minds. Move by your spirit in our minds that we might love you the way you loved us. Lord, you shed your love abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost that you gave us. So help us, Lord, to to love you with all of our heart today. Help us to love you with all of our soul today. Help us to love you with all of our minds today. And then, Lord, help us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Lord, help us to love our neighbors as you loved us. Help us to look past their faults. Help us to look past their shortcomings. Help us to be the one that would reach out unto them and help to hold them up in these last days. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just remember them who have been afflicted by this virus and by that which it has caused in our economy and that which it has caused in our health care. And Lord, that you would just keep everybody. Heal the sick, deliver the troubled at mind, save the lost. 
And Father, as you do this, we'll give you all of the glory and all of the honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. And we want to thank you again for tuning in to our podcast. And until next time, may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. Let everybody say amen.